Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. The podcast has had over 1 million plays and that's all thanks to you. For the holidays, I bring you the best of series for 2023, the most listened to and loved episodes. If you enjoy the podcast, you can review it on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts or drop me a line on social media. This episode is brought to you by Dragons of Dusk and Dawn, a new novel by Aussie author Simon Higgins. Wei is a linguist turned military advisor, raised among the intellectual elite of China's mighty Tang Dynasty. Einar is a Scandinavian raid chief, a tenacious member of Viking society. Their cultures lie at opposite ends of the world, yet they are fated to be enemies in a monumental clash. Ferocity and cunning against methodical strategy, the future of a vulnerable kingdom hanging in the balance. They are the dragons of dusk and dawn. Check it out at undoredopress.com. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing the podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. You talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm uh, feeling sick. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, all new episodes for 2023, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I welcome Danuka McKenzie, festival organiser extraordinaire and author of the Detective Kate Miles crime fiction series, The Torrent and Taken, which we'll be talking about today. Welcome back, Danuka. Hey, Danny, and congrats to you as well on your big release week. <laughs> Ooh, epic Henry. dad yay Henry must Congrats. be the month for great books Danuka. what do you think? yes we actually have the same release date yeah it's a very special day yes <laughs> so when i go into the bookshop next week i'm gonna put them they won't ever be together crime and kids but i'll take a photo of them together in the same book yeah Why not? that'd be awesome <laughs> taken follow up to the torrent um you know I, i'm looking at the cover and we talked about this before and it really ties in beautifully with the first one i think different but sort of same color palette Give us an elevator pitch as to what Taken is about. Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, Taken is my follow-up to my debut, The Torrent. And so it's definitely a standalone mystery, but it follows the same characters that were set up in The Torrent. So we have Detective Kate Miles, who is a police officer in the Northern Rivers region of New South Wales, um, and her family and her police colleagues. Um and so in Taken, we're essentially picking up Kate's story about, I think it's about four months after the events of the torrent, um, and Kate is back at work from maternity leave and, and struggling a little bit with the uh, the pressures of a second child um, and also, you know, having to prove herself back at work. And um, she's also kind of dealing with the mental health 
kind of fallout from some of the events of the torrent, as well as um, there appears to be a potential scandal brewing in the media in the background, which may involve her dad, who's the ex-chief of the station she works out of. So there's a few things going on. And in the midst of this, she gets handed kind of the biggest case of her career to date, which is the case um, of a young infant going missing uh, from her home, apparently abducted from her home. Um, so it's Kate's job to find out who has taken baby Sienna and, and the story goes from there. So not much happening at all, really. No, nothing at all, <laughs> in fact. It's quite, yeah, it's quite a, it's a snooze, really. <laughs> just something inside me when you said going back to work after maternity leave and I just remember that being just such a hard time, like coming back from that. So I totally related to that character. And no one knows the struggle, you know, you're just turning up, doing your job, but, you know, you're doing all sorts of things, expressing milk and racing home to feed babies and all that kind of stuff. It's actually tough going. So it's good that you reflected, you know, that kind of struggle on the return to work. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I did want to kind of um, give a quite realistic uh you know, depiction of that because I mean, like I, I'm like you, Danny. I remember those days, um, and you know, the expressing of the milk, and and I always stuffed up my my feed times. God, that was I was just so hopeless to getting the feed times right, and I was constantly kind of overfull, and you know, there's all sorts of things going wrong, and and you'd think by the second child I would have learned, but I no, really didn't. Different, though. No, yeah, and um, you know, and it just it. It was physically hard and you were exhausted and um and then yeah, but you know, like your your obligations kind of don't go away. You know, you still have to be all of the things that you were before, but then you also have the the children to look after. Mm-hmm. Um and in that kind of weird altered altered kind of mental state of, yeah. kind of awake, exhausted, kind of a little bit resentful, yeah. having to full on, oh, you know, perform, having that. Yeah, having a million expectations on you, some of which you put on yourself, you know, yeah. not, you know, but others that you absorb. And and it literally, like, it's this weird thing that it literally does not matter how many times you go, I'm not going to absorb any of that or, like, everybody's trying to be kind and all the rest of it, and yet there's still that pressure. I don't know where it comes from, but it does, and you feel you have to do everything and it's only by bitter experience that you learn that, in fact, you cannot. <laughs> you cannot. And you know what? We don't want to do everything. No, no. Like it sounds good, but it's been a bit overrated. The whole superwoman thing is yes. quite happy to just go, no, can't do that. Sorry. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, this being a series, book two, in what I believe is to be a three book series, who knows? It might be end up being like a 25 book series. Um, Obviously, it must be great to follow your character throughout, but what are the challenges of writing a series? Because I imagine you need them to be standalone and there's arcs of the characters for each book, but then you kind of got to have a character arc across the series as well. So it's it's complicated. Yeah, you're right. Like, so I think what I probably struggled with and tried to, I guess, work with, you know, through the edits was, you know, how much of sort of the, torrent plot we were giving away you know because I guess you know it is a standalone plot um so so there's two things obviously so I'm not a big fan of kind of series or you know particularly on tv it's probably not as bad in books but particularly on tv where you know in the second episode or the second season or whatever the the hero is completely reborn you know like and they there appears to be no impact 
from all the horrible things that they either did or saw, you know, or, or experienced. They're just, you know, they're just completely fine. Reset just, button. Oh, reset, yeah, there's a reset <laughs> button. And, you know, for me, I felt no, I had to like properly address the, the issues that she went through in, in the torrent. And, and so she does suffer from, um, you know, that mental health fallout and a little bit of PTSD and kind of she's, she's still processing all the things that happen at the end of the torrent. So, so that felt like, to me, that felt like something I really had to do. And that felt, um, honest for her as a character that that would be the mental state she would be in, which would make everything more on edge because it's yeah. that on top of everything else she has to deal with. Um, so, so there was that going on. So I, so in that sense, there was that connection to the previous book. And so then I had to like be really careful of how much we, like how much I gave of the story of the torrent. So there, there's a little bit, but I still think you can go back to the torrent and enjoy it. Like you can read this yeah. definitely as a standalone. You can come to this uh, as your first book, as, as a number of readers actually have done and have, have um, messaged me about it. And, and it, that's still perfectly fine. So I think it was that balance of trying mm. to find that. Um, in terms of their, I guess, overarching stories, I, um, I really felt like that the torrent was very much setting up the chess pieces, you know, and I think there was a lot more to say, particularly about Kate's relationship with, with her dad. And I really enjoyed kind of getting into that relationship in this, in this book. That was actually one of the, um, most fun, um, and really enjoyable kind of parts of the book that I got to write. So, you know, so I was, um, knew I wanted to do that. And, and that was something I was really looking forward to. So I was glad I got to do that. Um, and then there's another character that kind of popped back in, you know, who is there in the torrent. I'm definitely not going to, this is a spoiler if I can this away, but, but, you know, he comes back and, and yeah. you get to hear his backstory a little bit. Um, and I think that fleshes out that character a little bit more. Um, and that I had a lot of fun doing that mm. um, because um, people had a lot of opinions about the end of the torrent. And, uh, uh, and so, so it was, it was, interesting kind of some of the reader feedback going, oh, oh, that made me think of that person differently. And so, you know, and I love mm-hmm. that. I love yeah, yeah. being able to do that for, for readers. So Yeah, that's really cool. Now, the crux of the idea of the book, there's lots of things going on, but at the centre you've got, and this is kind of horrifying when you read it, I was in the shower, I left Sienna in her bassinet. When I got out, she was gone. How hard was this to write as a mother or did you just completely separate, sever mother and writer? Um, I think there's a little bit of um, severing mother and writer. Um, I think uh, for me, when I started writing this book, probably the earliest I started writing was probably um, early 2019, possibly end of 2018. I can't quite remember exactly when I started writing this. But um, the kids were not baby stage at that point, you know, like they, so um, my youngest would have been three by that point. So they weren't like baby, baby. Um, and so I did have that separation, um, at le- you know, so it wasn't as difficult. I think it would have been pretty much impossible to write it when yeah. they were one uh, because it would have been too close. Had a mess saying, with your mind even more than the hormones do. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In saying that, um, there was some research I had to do for this because a lot of the, the plot in this uh book hangs um hangs on some of the forensic details so I really had to go quite deep into the forensic stuff and yeah and then there were some days where I really felt I had to rinse rinse my mind you know like there was some pretty full on stuff I had to look up um but it felt like 
like in order to get the detail right, I really had to give it um, and to kind of depict some of that stuff sensitively. Yeah. Like I really had to do the research because I think if I had done it at a very surface level, um, it wouldn't have done it justice. So, and, I, and and that's the problem with research because you have to do so much in order yeah. to get like one paragraph, you know. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of that stuff lives with you, but you don't necessarily transfer that to the reader. Um, so, Yeah. Mm, that is interesting but I think possibly and tell me if I'm wrong here that that even that knowledge that you may not use to write the words it's still there in the background to fill up the story even though it's not there you know what I mean it, it's it's subtext oh totally absolutely because you need to tell yourself the story and out of that you can then pick out the things that the reader needs to hear but if you don't know the full story yeah. then you can't present it in the like in in the way you want to to the reader because you don't have the full story yet so often I mean I think that's what they talk like getting a little bit away from the research side that's what they talk about that kill your darling thing where often you know um you know you're writing pages and pages and pages but because you're trying to get to know that character and so you're writing all their backstory and all the rest of it but actually the reader doesn't need to know any of that yeah but you you needed to know that because it's the first time you're discovering the reader and then actually in the revisions and um edits you're cutting it all out because now you know you know that character now so so then you pick out the things that the reader actually need to know at the right time of that of of the story and the reader will know all of that stuff kind of because it'll be implied through dialogue or through the Mm. reactions and actions and relationships with people so all that stuff will come through but Mm. not in a you know in in a way that's telling them now, you talked earlier about, you know, all the multiple threads and characters and all the things that are going on behind the scenes and the personal versus professional. How, what's your process in wrangling all the components of crime? Because I do feel like crime is one of those really complex genres that just has everything going on. You know, and there's almost an expectation in crime that you will have everything going on, that setting will be important and characters and relationships and then your crime and then you need a twist and a red herring and possible suspects. Like it's it's the one genre that just requires everything of you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I don't really know. I mean, I wish I had an actual proper answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the fact that I kind of just, just wrote words. <laughs> I know, I kind of kept writing the words. Um, Look, uh, I I did have a, like I hit a wall in the middle of this this book, but that was because I had for the, you know, I had actually gone to the trouble of planning it chapter by chapter. Mm -hmm. And the reason I did that was because I submitted this manuscript to the um, Rochelle Prize and and that, you know, it requires you to give uh, like a full chapter outline. And so for that reason I went and planned Mm -hmm. it and that, like I learned the lesson from that 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 actually didn't work for me because you know, like sort of seven you know six seven eight months down the line when you get to that point of the story turns out that's not the story yeah, now because yeah. you've worked that ending out or you've worked that storyline out like eight months ago when you submitted this thing right uh but now it turns out that wasn't the story and I had to kind of unpick it and re-knit it back together and so that so that became a real thing so so what I learned from that process is that I am definitely not a planner to that like to that micro level um but what I had what I learned about myself is that I absolutely need to have scaffolding so I need to know I need to know the murderer I need to know the well you know like all the perpetrator I should say and (laughs) the, the um like the big reveal like or the big twist as you say you know um 
and uh, I probably need to know a couple of the plot, uh, subplots or not plot points, but, yeah, subplots, and then, yeah, that'll kind of get me there. That'll get yeah, yeah. through it, yeah. No, I agree. And I just think not just with crime, but with all writing, it's kind of good that you do get surprises yourself throughout yes. as you're writing because then the reader's going to be surprised as well. <laughs> no, that's true. And I think it's that thing where, like, writers kind of put it in a way to say, oh, you know, the characters kind of spoke to me and they did this thing that I wasn't expecting. But it's that funny thing where it's actually all your subconscious, you know, and and it's just because you're so immersed in this story and these these people's lives, your subconscious is always working on it and you're just not aware, that, you know, and then it just turns up on the page and, and your conscious mind goes, oh, wow, I'm a magician. But actually you're not. It's just like it's all your brain working on it but the brain is designed such that you can only be conscious of so many things yeah. at a certain amount of time and so that so it is all you but it feels like this 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 magic you know mm-hmm. and look well, what i will say about the table about the about token is that um like i guess with the time it felt like kind of two essentially two plot lines that i together um whereas this one I felt like I I kind of threw way more balls in the air and I and I really tried to land each one um and so I'm quite like proud of that about this book because I did like for me that was like way more like subplots to play with and so I I I really kind of pushed myself in in that sense to just kind of yeah land way more I was juggling way more balls and I hope I landed you know yeah <laughs> but it is kind of magic too. Like I, I find like a lot of writing is a lot of thinking, and that even though that isn't considered writing, <laughs> I think oh. the thinking part's really important. But I think sometimes, you know, when you think about it, creating, you know, nothing, you, you start with nothing, and then you create this story with characters that people relate to and feel for and side with, mm. and you know, things that happen that keep you on the edge of your seat and all those things and keep you awake at night. Like, there's a bit of magic in there. There's a lot of magic in that. Yeah, and I think, look, I, I think it's like it's all of your reading and it's all of, I guess, your thoughts about the world, uh, you know, and, and I guess your viewpoints and how you see the world, it's it all kind of comes together because I think, you know, me being, you know, a, a big fan of crime fiction, I think, I think that does come into it because sure. I've seen, you know, like you get a feeling for, oh, it's a bit slow, you know, like, oh, it's a bit sluggish. You get a feeling even while you're writing that, oh, it's probably not quite working. Um, just purely because you've read, you know, how many books um, yeah, in crime sure. and you know that by this point something should have happened. Someone should have died <laughs> or whatever, right? Um, so, you, so you, there is, a, there is a, this weird instinctive thing that does happen. Um, so, yeah, like, I, yeah, so I, I guess there is a process there, but certainly it, it you know, like, like, my day-to-day process is literally just sitting in front of the computer and just writing the next chapter, like that, you know, type thing. And then, and then if, if in that chapter something changes and I go, oh, actually now whatever in chapter, you know, 15 doesn't work anymore, I have to go back to that and fix that before I can move on with the whole story. So I am a, like a, I can't move on until, yeah. you know, I fix the thing because that, that really annoys me. Like, even, no, even things like um, even some, 
really minor thing that I've changed, um, you know, like their workplace or something, then then I have to go back and change whatever reference there was in previous because I cannot move on because it feels like something's itching at the back of my brain. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Hearing about all of Danuka's weird quirks, which I Uh, Yeah, I am so, yeah. Not good. In, in a my therapy session. Anyway. We'll change this into a therapy session. So, yeah. I don't think anyone wants to really see what's in our both our heads. You know? oh, no, that would be bad. Yes, it would take a lot more than like forty minutes to talk. This is now a four-hour episode. So <laughs> back, relax. That's right. Yeah. Now, our mate Ben Hobson, author, mm. podcaster for Burgers Beers books. Biggest burgers, bix, however, yes. he, whichever he changes the order every time. So you know, whatever it's called, whatever it is. we know what he does. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he, he, I liked his description of it. So I was looking through the reviews, and he said, "Thrilling, yes. Action-packed, absolutely. Most importantly, though, utterly moving. Now, utterly moving is not a description I hear a lot in crime. So mm. it's like you kind of did every, like everything in this book. So tell me about." The combination of, of making it thrilling and action-packed but moving as well was that intentional or was that the, something that just happened look I think it is just um like trying to be as realistic as possible and 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 true to the emotion as possible so so like I completely accept that this is you know commercial fiction it is escapist so like you know, I'm re- if I'm reading this, I want to escape, right? Yeah. So, so you know, there are utterly unbelievable things in it, like, you know, she solves the whole thing in a week and, you know, like it's all, you know, it's all, you, you know what I mean? Not like, unbelievable at all. Happen. So all of that is, is not real to police work. However, the emotional truth is what people um, sort to. of uh, react to or connect to yeah. um, and it resonates with them so it's it's the, her relationship with with Jeff who you know essentially they are yeah they are two parents they're just doing the best they can right like I'm, uh, I'm, we all. Like, exactly. <laughs> and that's what people resonate with because they see themselves there because they see two people who are trying their best within their you know like within what they're capable of sometimes they make mistakes you know as we all do sometimes they make the bad like the wrong call um but that's okay because that's literally what we all do right and this is just more like pressurized and more kind of um like squished into a week but like so if you look at your parenting career if I can put it that way across you know whatever like you make you know terrible mistakes sometimes and sometimes just silly mistakes but but that but but that's just because it's a because it's a book, you know. You're squashing all that into a week. So, but I feel like all of those things resonate with people because it feels very real. So, mm-hmm. her relationship with her dad, again, like those kind of hero worship versus kind of real fractures within within families. But 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 family members were trying to work on it, trying to have you know trying to build their relationships. And I think with Jeff and and Kate, like what I wanted to show was that. You know, a marriage isn't a static thing, or, or a relationship isn't a static mm-hmm. thing. You have to work on it. You have to some some periods in that relationship are worse than others, just purely because of the external pressures. In this case, yeah. you know, young young kids, or like sometimes it could be like a renovation, or you know, like whatever, right? Like or a death in the family, or whatever that might be. Yeah. Like sometimes it it puts you under pressure, um, and it and you have to to get through those things you have to 
learn how to re-talk about every single issue because they were having a pretty good relationship in the Torah. And it turns out, oh, actually, now they have to actually go deep and have, like, really difficult conversations with each other because just because the marriage was good three months ago, it still has to be worked on in order for it to continue to be good. And I just wanted to show that, that, like, it's a, it's a process. And, and sometimes that may mean that, you know, it doesn't work out. But whatever that is, like, it's it's a communication, you know, like it just, it's not, none of that is static. I have a great marriage, full stop, and forever. Yeah, that's it doesn't work that way, you know. Nothing works that way. So no. you just have to work on it, yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I like the idea of emotional truth and I like the idea of relationships continuously evolving and changing and not always being their best selves because that's that's the truth of it, you yeah. know, and that's yeah. exactly what we've all lived through and all experienced. And so I think that can resonate with all of us. And, um, you know, with the parenting, I think the worst thing is when you are trying your best and you're really trying your best and you're trying to work and parent and pick up and drop offs and all those things. And then you still get it wrong and go, Oh, I'm trying my best. What if I wasn't even trying my best? No, but I think it's also because you're so, because every, like your life is just full of like a thousand small, tiny moments. Right. And, 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 and like the concept of being that your best self in every single one of those small moments is impossible. Like it is impossible to do that. And, and so, you know, whilst, you know, we see ourselves as essentially good people and most of our friends and family would agree that yes you know essentially we're good people we're good intention and most of the time we're trying to do the right thing you know in each of those moments that matter and may potentially create a memory for someone else including god forbid our our offspring you know we might be our worst self at that moment, you know, and we have to own that. We have to take accountability for that and try and get better and, and kind of work through that, right? But but it's also unrealistic in the same way that our kids aren't there themselves to us <laughs> at the moment of their Now that's life. true. <laughs> you know, like no one can be their best selves to all the people all they the love. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's just impossible. So yeah, let's not even just, aim for that. Let's not let's just aim for no, like 50, I know. Yeah. But I think I know, but I think, like, unconsciously we put that pressure on ourselves. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you want to be a good parent, yeah, you know, course. like you, you want to desperately do that, but sometimes the external world just has oh. other plans. I, I burnt dinner tonight, Danuka, and I had to I put it on. Oh, please. I bought dinner tonight, so whatever. <laughs> I put it on and then I decided to do a meeting because I was working from home. Yeah. You know, that yeah. fun life of working yes. and parenting yes. and doing all that. And then it burnt. And then so I said, all right, off to Coles we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I went and bought dinner again, so Cool. wasn't my best self totally fine <laughs> totally fine but I, I had the computer going while my son was at swimming I, I burnt his toast this morning you know like yeah just like everything you know it was just yeah it was just everything yeah anyway that's life isn't it Januka? it, is. it <laughs> totally is now I, you know I ask this question all the time but I, I keep asking it because I think it evolves I think sometimes we write for different reasons for different purposes in different novels etc etc so no one can even ever remember the answer they gave me the first time which is good so i want to know how it's changed when i ask you the question why do you write oh i don't even know if i did i ever answer this question for you i can't remember i'm gonna look up our past episode no, yeah right. now <laughs> it's not the exact same answer but i mean i think like in a very broad sense 
there's probably two reasons I write. One, to process both my experience and 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 what's happening in the world, but also to escape from it. So so that those are the two reasons I write because uh, sometimes when my anxiety, including anxiety about my writing, <laughs> is at its worst, the the place I go to escape is another writing project. You know, the the, the writing project that no one else knows about that hasn't got eyes on it at all um, and is entirely mine. And that and 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 actually, um, even as I speak about it. Um, that was actually the reason I got into writing in the first place, you know, like to literally escape like everybody's version of me and what they thought they knew about me and, um, you know, my identity as a mother and, and, and wife and all the rest of it. Like I would escape into that very first manuscript. So essentially I still do that. Like I do that all the time when things, and even when just, just like, the world is too much when it's yeah. just, you know, because it's like I hear you. it's just always too much because it's freaking every single thing is like, oh, my God, the world is just going to hell in a handbasket. So <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, it, it all is too much, right, yeah. sometimes. Um, so, yes, so I definitely use it as an es- escape route into a world that, you know, essentially I can control. Um, but then, but then, like, but then I am actually through that writing process and through building these characters and and making them go through these things, I'm essentially processing that experience. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm processing motherhood and I'm processing, you know, work life balance and I'm pro- like all of that. I'm processing through my characters because those are the things I'm interested in, but also the things that I've experienced and you know, um, you know find challenging or, or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. So I'd say those are the. Oh, I totally relate. I don't know. The yeah. podcast was born from trying to distract myself from my anxiety. Um, yeah. The writing really helps. And, you know, I know that there's some, you know, criticism about social media, et cetera, et cetera, but it's honestly the one place that if I start scrolling, my anxiety disappears. Yeah, right. And so I just, you know, I just have to do the things that are going to just toss it aside. I know it's temporary, but yeah, you just got to do those things, you know. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I do love social media probably for that reason because anxiety doesn't live there. <laughs> anxiety doesn't live in the podcast, in the books, or in the phone. So, ah, that's, that's great. I, I do, I'm kind of the opposite with social media. Like, so, let's not get into that. I think but... I'm a minority, Danuka, because I think social media creates anxiety for most people. I'm like, no, it's mm. my happy place. <laughs> well, in saying that, so, you know, I mean, Instagram, the reels, oh, my God. Like, you know, half an hour later, I'm like, where's the Yeah, right. I'm like, just freaking scroll through, you know, like all these recipes of, exactly. you know, food and, uh, anyway. But whatever. it's the perfect yeah. resolution, you know, if you are a bit of an extrovert, which, I, you know, I am, um, you still feel like even though you're trapped at home working or you're on mm. pickup, you can still connect with people. So yeah. I really like that aspect of it. You know, you can still go, oh, this is what Danuka's up to. Oh, she's got this going on. I'll have a little comment and a little like. And, you know, you, you've done that little bit of yeah. communication with people and it takes you out of, you know, your current world. So good and bad, though. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always yeah. brilliant speaking to you, Danuka. Uh-huh. I love talking to you about your process and we always sort of delve into, you know, where those things come from in our personal lives because we do have sort of similar 
you know, experiences as mothers of young children and trying to write and trying to survive anxiety and all that stuff. So it's nice to see all that reflected. And I'm just so happy that you've got your second book and you're writing your third and they're beautiful and amazing. And you're really deserving of all this because you are also, you know, really supportive of the book community. So love chatting to you and uh, good luck with the rest of the month and all your book things. Oh, thank you so much, Danny. I so appreciate you having me on here. You do, you just do so much for the community. And I really appreciate um, getting the opportunity to chat to you once again. It's been lovely. It thank has. you. No worries. <laughs> Thanks, Tanika. Thank you. Bye.